0: Okay, this is almost too funny to be true. I'm doing this, I started to do this series called Mastering the Juggle, and I, I try to kind of speak from things that we've gone through or are going through, and, you know, most of what I'm talking about isn't super deep. I, I put them together fairly quickly. Uh, well, I wouldn't say fairly quickly. I'm almost 59 years old, and it's taken me that much time to acquire some of the ideas and concepts and things I talk about. So we're talking about Mastering the Juggle. You know, life is a juggle, And we're constantly having to move things around and our scheduling and commutes and all that kind of stuff, the different aspects of our life. You know, some of you have listened to uh, my series, Living Life in Tune, where I talk about, you know, we have these six strings, like six strings on a guitar, faith, fitness, family, finance, friendships, field of endeavor, meaning our job or our vocation, those different spheres of life that we're always juggling and I say it's funny because Susan and I we live in a constant state of juggle when we're on the road in the RV no lie it's like we in my the back of my truck I carry a bunch of our supplies you know coolers and chairs and a bicycle and all that stuff that we don't have room for in the camper and all the music gear is under the camper in the big compartments under the camper but when we land I have to switch all that stuff around, take everything out of the camper and take everything out of the bottom of the RV and put it in the truck. And then inside the camper, there's things we have to tear down before we move and then set back up. So we're just in a constant state of juggle. And even this morning... I'm, I'm needing to do this podcast where I needed to be quiet, and you know we got two puppies with us, and Susan's needing to do some stuff online. She's got to pay some bills and do some financial things, and I've got to chase her into the other room. We've got to switch around and, and just constantly juggling. Many years ago, I worked for Farm Fresh Supermarkets in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. I spent five years working for them. While I was in college, and that's where I actually learned to juggle. You know, we had oranges and apples, and we would, usually oranges apples would bruise pretty bad. But we, we taught ourselves how to juggle at least three balls. I'm amazed by people that can get five, six, seven, eight, you know, ch- juggle chainsaws, you know. Um, it really is a skill, and I think juggling the different aspects of our life is a challenge we all have and a skill we have to develop, you know. <coughs> While I was at Farm Fresh, I was juggling. I was working 36 hours a week, and I one semester was foolish enough to take 18 credits, um, and just juggling home life. It was just Susan and I, and college life, and then work. Um, now, when I think about it, and I don't think in my entire life I've worked one job. I mean, now with life on the verge. It really has many different aspects to it, so it doesn't feel like one job. But even when I worked a job, I was always working something else. I was either going to school, or I was working part-time, or I've sold shoes, delivered pizzas, and uh, just did a myriad of of different side jobs to earn money, you know, the hustle, right? So I, I thought about this idea of juggling and the fact that most of us hate it when we drop a ball. We don't want to drop a ball. We don't want to let others down. We don't want to let ourselves down. We Some of us are more perfectionist than others, um, but we, we really hate it when we drop the ball. But the fact is, inevitably, you will drop a ball or drop several balls in life. The hope is that we we lessen the frequency of dropping balls and we try to develop the skill of living lives of balance. Before I get into that, let me give you a quick update on life on the verge. Um, we are now in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and this uh, we finished up our Florida our first phase Florida tour. And Lord willing, finances come in. Yes, diesel is pumping over six bucks a gallon these days, but. By the you know, grace of God, we're going to do a second prison tour in August, September, maybe even into October. Um, down in Florida, where it's still wide open. We want to hit some prisons we did not get to uh, this time out and we want to bring our friend's Boo Radley along for some of that. But currently we're in Virginia Beach and we will be playing some music at the KOA in Virginia Beach. We're not staying there this time. We found a better lodging situation. Uh, but we're playing there. Those people support our ministry. If you ever come to Virginia Beach and you want to stay near the ocean front, that's a great campground. Very family oriented, not a bunch of rowdy knuckleheads. Um, and then on Sunday I'll be preaching at Christ Fellowship in Norfolk, Virginia. So if If you're in the area, please come. We'll be doing some tunes and sharing some updates on Life on the Verge and sharing a word there. That's pastored by Pastor Chris Amos, a dear friend that I went through the Norfolk Police Academy with in 1987. And a wonderful, wonderful man of God. Uh, And then we'll be heading up to Hedgesville, West Virginia, where we'll be speaking in three services, doing some music at Hope Community Church. So if you're out there, we'd love to see you. And then on July 3rd, we'll be at Freedom Church in Stafford, Virginia, Pastor Barry and Christina Clark. And if you're in that area, we would love to see you. So we are on the move and uh, praying that uh, we see some increase financially through those endeavors. Those are a couple of our support churches that will help us do this second prison tour. Um, All right, moving on, this idea of mastering the juggle, you know... As I sit here and thought about it, I've already done the graphic and everything, I probably should have titled this Managing the Juggle because I don't know if we ever really master the juggle. It's, everything's constantly changing and in flux. And so, mastering it is pretty difficult. Let me rephrase that, mastering it is impossible. You know, we may manage it, we may get better at it, but right about the time you think you got a handle on things, something changes and a ball gets dropped. And so one of the, the areas when I thought about, you know, my struggle, uh, my struggle with the juggle, maybe I should have called it that, the struggle with the juggle, um, is this idea of insecurity. Um, you know, insecurity is the inability or it's it's trying to be who you think everybody else thinks you ought to be, Right. And we're constantly being bombarded with, this is what it takes to measure up in life. To live here, to drive this, to wear this, this is what is uh, acceptable, this makes you a success. And so we're always striving for that and feeling like we're never quite arriving, at least some of us are. And... uh, and it, 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 we live with this constant insecurity. We live with insecurity in our relationships. Some people are clingy and they fear they're going to lose somebody. Um, we, we, we fear letting them down, letting our family down, especially those guys that are out there that are maybe the breadwinner. Maybe you're a single mom. Maybe you're a, 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 da- a dad that you have a fear of, of not measuring up. You know some there's insecurity in our job sometimes which can lead to becoming workaholics we've got to overachieve to prove ourselves there's insecurity in our body image i'm never going to be thin enough i'm never going to be fit enough i've got too many wrinkles i just don't measure up you know there's social insecurities Um, Most of us deal with that. You know, some are more outgoing, but a lot of us deal with social insecurities. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Good Lord, I get insecure about people behind. I pay too much attention to people in my rearview mirror. There's a message right there. You know, when I'm driving down the road and somebody's on my butt, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm constantly looking at my mirror and especially in the RV, you know, and I'm blocking traffic and and, uh, I hate that. Um, I've got to learn to deal with it signs of insecurity things like perfectionism which can really take the fun out of music for me I'm I'm that uh, that guy that never wants to hit a bad note I mean most musicians that you know are serious about it don't like to hit bad notes but you're going to hit bad notes and the key is to learn how to respond to a bad note and jump right back in and most people don't even notice and so if I'll get my mindset when I'm getting ready to go out and play music, for example, and maybe you do other things um, that uh, that you try to get perfect, is is that I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have fun. I know I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to rehearse. I'm going to try not to make mistakes. But I'm going to make them, and, and I'm going to have fun. And I think that's true of, like, athletes got to know, look, I know I'm going to, you know, drop the ball out there, um, but I'm going to have fun. And when it stops being fun, I've heard athletes say this: when it stops being fun, maybe it's time to time to hang it up. And and so perfectionism is a, is a symptom or a sign of dealing with insecurity. When I used to take tests, you know, with the police department or in college, I hated to miss a problem. Don't you hate that? I mean, if you're dealing with, because you're trying to measure up to some, I'm perfect. No, you're not. None of us are perfect. And perfectionism is a symptom. Low self-esteem, you know, about our image, about our abilities. I'm never going to be good enough. Um, Anxiety, you know, needing attachment to other people to feel secure. Uh, or it can be the opposite, avoidance. You know, we avoid attachment. We isolate ourselves. There's a proverb that warns us, you know, that he that isolates himself is not wise. We need social interaction, so we need to get out there in places that, that you know, force us to get outside of our insecurity. Uh, depression is another symptom. Worry, uh, being overly judgmental, criticizing people, and I get critical I know it's usually because I don't feel good about myself. Um, Some deal with insecurity by overcompensating. Some deal with insecurity by withdrawing and being timid. But here's the thing. All insecurity is rooted in fear. Now, I know we're talking about mastering the juggle, but insecurity is a big part of why we drop the ball. We are fearful that we're never going to measure up. We're fearful that one day the bottom's going to fall out. One day everybody's going to find out I'm a fraud. I'm not who they think I am. It's a fear that the worst is about to happen. You know, the bottom is just going to fall out of this whole thing and I'm going to be exposed. Well, everybody to some degree deals with some level of insecurity. Okay, there's no way around that. Um, especially when we're being bombarded with social media and TV and movies and all these things that try to paint a picture that is impossible uh, to achieve. And I think that you are more apt to drop a ball in life if you're worried about dropping a ball all the time. And the fact is, for we as believers, you know, there's a scripture, 2 Timothy one seven. Uh, where Paul said to the young preacher, Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now that word fear, most translations these days translate that to the word timidity. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And even that word sound mind, a lot of versions today say self-control or self-discipline. That's what the word means insecure people including myself sometimes have a hard time believing that God really loves me that God is for me that God is faithful that God will never let me down I may um, drop a ball because I mean ultimately as believers we're trying to we're trying to live lives that please God and so if we drop a ball, say, with our family or our finances or, you know, we make a mistake, we stumble, um, even in our spiritual life, we have a moral failure even, um, we, we can feel that we can have an unhealthy fear of God and not realize that God is always there, ready to love, ready to forgive, ready to get us back on track, just pick the balls up and start juggling again. I got you, you know. Um, I mean, the biggest ball that we can drop is, is not knowing jesus you know not paying attention to our spiritual life Uh, but if we are living for god then we 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 gotta we really do need to be people of faith that get out there and hustle and take a risk you don't have to worry about dropping any balls if you're not juggling anything but we as believers we are to be out there we're to be industrious people and when you read the parable of the talents in matthew chapter 25 for example you know where where Jesus uses the example of a manager that get entrusted three servants with certain amounts of money, and the one that he entrusted with the least amount, only one talent, which was like one bag of gold or something, um, he buried it and he didn't do anything with it, and his excuse was, "I master, I knew that you are a hard man." He tried to say that the reason I didn't do it is because. I, I think that you' you're mean and I didn't want to let you down. I didn't want to fail. Jesus was saying look, when I, even when I think about those guys that that went out there with the talents and they put it to work and when the master came back, the one he gave five to said, look I've gained 10. Well, and then the one they gave two to he gained four. He, they showed an increase with what, the potential that the master had trusted them with. In the middle of all that, there was a lot of juggling. There could have been ups and downs, like in the stock market today, you know. One minute they were losing money, the next minute they were gaining, but they were putting it to work. They were juggling, okay, and they had more concern that I'm I'm not doing my best to bring an increase uh, than they were afraid that, well, you know, like the guy that was afraid that buried it and said, look, I'm not even going to juggle. I'm not even going to take a, res- a risk. So they were more concerned with, I've got to do what I can. Even if I end up with a loss, I've got to do what I, what, I, what I can to bring an increase. And they did bring an increase. And so, you know, when we talk about taking steps of faith with our life, whatever that may look like for you, um, it's a juggle, isn't it? It's stepping out. It's doing our best, even in the face of uncertainty. It's praying. It's getting counsel. It's saying, you know what, I feel like. This is what the move that we're supposed to make. We're supposed to take this step of faith um, and we put it to work and it may end up a negative. Uh Uh-oh, I missed God on this. But the net, if we keep moving, if we keep trusting, if we pick that ball back up and we keep juggling, we keep hustling, keep believing God is for us, he will make all things work together for good, even those things where we drop the ball. It will be used as a way to help us develop more skill, or it may lead in a direction. We've seen this happen time and time again. Along the way, there will be naysayers. You know, with Life on the Verge, I remember when we first launched it, you know, I knew what it was going to take. Susan did, too. We were on the same page, which is very important if you are um, married, is that you and your spouse are on the same page. You're in agreement. You visit failure and say, you know what? If we drop the ball in this area of life, if we fail, we can deal with that. We can get back up. We we visit it mentally. I've talked about that before. You're going to take a risk for God. You, you, you know, a risk in life. Period. You and your spouse, if you're married, need to come to terms. If you're single, then you need to come to terms with this might not work. I'm not. It's there's no guarantee this is going to work. I, and if it fails this is how i'm going to fail forward i'm going to respond to it i've already visited it in my mind and we can deal with it so when we launched life on the verge i remember going and talking with a, a preacher i knew i don't even know if i can call him a friend but um sitting in his office and he's a pretty successful preacher and uh and Susan and I knew what it was going to take to launch Life on the Verge, and we we made a decision to do it. We were going to have to live in an RV full-time. Um, it was the most cost-effective way to do it and to stay on the road. And so we were living in this beat-up old camper we paid 2800 bucks for. And uh, so I went in to meet with him. I can't even remember why, maybe to get some counsel or something. I'm not even sure. But uh, when I told him we were living in a camp- camper, he announced it to the entire office, uh, including his wife. He hollered over his wife and said, you Mark mocking Susan, almost in a mocking way. And it didn't, it, it honestly, it didn't make me fearful. I wasn't timid about it. It didn't make me fearful. It made me angry that he couldn't see that we were on a faith journey. And now 10 years later, that's proven, it's, proven it out. There's been ups and downs. We've dropped a few balls here and there. But the net has been uh, a positive influence. We've ministered, I, I reckon, about a quarter million inmates in person since we started. I'm going to go back and get a more accurate figure soon, but I was touting 100,000 for about four years, and I know that we've doubled that at least by now. Um, so why would I not be fearful or insecure in that moment that feel like I dropped a ball? Look, here's somebody I respect, and he's, he's almost mocking me. And I don't think he meant it quite as you know the way that i took it it just was like what are you kidding i've always heard stories of faith that people take a risk you know maybe i'm not measuring up to societal norms but we feel like we're doing what god called us to do so here's a couple of antidotes for the insecurity that will that will cause us really the biggest danger i think is not dropping a ball it'll cause us from juggling at all um number one is trace your steps and look for the fingerprints of God on your life. Look for the times that he did bring breakthrough. You know, go back and look. Look, God was faithful here. I mean, when I look at the, you know, the the growth... Back when I was juggling a, a, a job at a supermarket and taking co- college courses and, and, uh, and then my married life, but I didn't have any kids. And I look back and how God brought us through all of that. He provided for all of that. Surely he'll provide for the next thing and the next thing. You know, in the middle of, of uh, when we first launched Life on the Verge, when this was happening, as a matter of fact, we were not even on the road six months. Actually, about three months. When my daughter, decided, I may have shared this story, forgive me if I did, but i got to share it again. Um, my my youngest daughter decided that she wanted to get married. Well, this made me feel like I had dropped a ball when it comes to family because we had no money to put on a wedding. Aren't dads supposed to do that kind of thing, you know? And I was like, what are we going to do? And we were visiting Virginia Beach. We were living in the RV full time, but we drove our van down to Virginia Beach and stayed at my older daughter's house my younger daughter was living with her at the time and while we were there our van broke down and like wow you know talk about feeling like you dropped a ball and uh but you know prayerfully i was like lord you know you got us this far i know you i just had a sense that somehow some way you're going to help us work this out because i look back at the fingerprints said i know god led us here he led us here it was confirmed here And uh, that's one reason I journal, by the way. I highly recommend to go back. I frequently go back and read my old journal entries. Uh, Sometimes I'm angry, confused, fearful. Um, But then I look at where God came through. And because the van broke down that weekend, my daughter, my middle daughter, was looking for a new church, her her and her fiancé. And so I remembered a church that was right down the street from where they lived that I didn't really know the pastor, but I'd been part of an outreach at that church, and I felt it was a solid church. I said, well, let's go there on Sunday since we're stuck here anyway. The mechanic couldn't get our van fixed until the following week. So we were we didn't plan to be there on Sunday, but we happened to be there on Sunday. So we went to church, and in the video announcements, they announced free weddings. They were offering, every year, they offer free free weddings i was like that well part of me was like that yeah, this is probably some group thing but it's worth checking out so long story short um they provided the venue the sound person all the tech people a wedding cake the dj all the food it was cr- they provided everything solo wedding for my daughter and her husband for free Is that crazy or what? God, now i got to go back and look. That's a fingerprint of God on our steps, you know? And so when we're juggling everything and we feel like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe I got out here too far. Again, the biggest danger is not throwing the balls in the air at all. (coughs) That's the servant that buried his talent. But we get out there and we start hustling, we start juggling, and we feel like, "Uh uh-oh, I've blown it. Go back and look at where God brought you through. Trace your steps. Look for the fingerprints of God. Thank Him for all the times that He brought you through. A second thing that we need to do on a regular basis is renew our mind. It tells us in Romans 12, uh, verse 2, Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We've got to remind ourselves who God says we are and who He really is, what the Word says about who He really is. It's one reason I think we need to be under the preaching of the Word of God because Many of us don't have time to constantly be studying, and we get under the preaching where there's someone that's been called to make their vocation studying the Word of God, and we put ourselves under that preaching. We plug into a local church where we can hear the Word of God being preached and be reminded of who God says He is. Now, we should study on our own. We should be like the Bereans if we hear something the preacher says, and, you know, I'm not sure about that. It's okay. Don't be, don't be hyperjudgmental of your pastor, but it's okay to say, well, I don't quite translate that that way. So be a student of the word, but also put yourself under the preaching of the word. Understand too that, you know, sin amplifies insecurity. When we don't do what we know we should have done or or we do things we know we shouldn't have done, don't be surprised by that. Paul struggled with it too. Read Romans 7, the end of it, okay? Okay. Um, We confess that sin and we pick the ball up and keep going, you know, keep juggling, keep moving. Uh, We we have a hard time sometimes grasping the fact that Jesus offers grace for the moment. You know, there's the account of Paul's thorn. Paul talks about having a thorn in his flesh. He doesn't tell us what it is. There's a lot of ideas of what it is. But my thought is it, it was probably something pretty, pretty big, um, that he didn't want to confess. Paul was a human being. And so he struggled, just like all human beings. I don't know what his besetting sin was. Some people want to say it was a messenger of Satan. It was a, you know, I think scripture even says that, but that it was somehow a demon. No, I I think it was probably a besetting sin that he struggled with. He didn't name it because he didn't want to say, like, it's okay. Maybe he was ashamed of it. But he asked the Lord three times to deliver him from it. And he said, the Lord responded, my grace is sufficient for you. So look, this brings me to my last point, is to realize that we are in a war, okay? We are in, this is a spiritual war that we are in with our lives as believers. And the enemy will use psychological warfare. That's why we're to be alert. He is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, try to devour your potential, try to overcome you with insecurity and fear so you never step out and make the difference God wants you to make in life. So we've got to renew our minds. We've got to remind ourselves of how God brought us through yesterday. In Second Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 6, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or worldly, but mighty in God, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. Now understand what Paul was dealing with here is I think is there were people that were challenging Paul's spiritual authority but he knew who he was in God and he knew that that he had weapons to fight with they were spiritual weapons things like prayer things like fasting um, knowing that you are in a war and you're not going to you're not going to get out of it unscathed okay the enemy has you in his crosshairs but the angels of God protect us. God keeps us if we stay in Christ, okay? So realize that we're in a warfare and that we're going to get out there. We're going to get scarred. There's no ball player on the field that doesn't end up getting injured at some point. We're going to have to take some time on the sidelines from, from you know, every now and then. But we are in a spiritual war and the enemy will use psychological warfare. So he's constantly saying, you're not going to me- measure up. You look at where you drop the ball here. You're not good enough. You're not holy enough for God to use you. Well, I just told you how Paul struggled with a thorn. We don't know what it is, but he struggled with something. Uh, but Paul also said that that he could take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ, who Christ says I am, who what Christ has called me to do. So, uh, in conclusion, let me just say this in the last couple of minutes here, is that realize this world is constantly trying to impress its values on us. And those values are constantly in flux. What's important? What are societal norms? You know, I remember one time when when I was a kid, um, I, I probably shared this story too, but it's a, it's a classic uh, case when I was still an adolescent. I was probably 13, 7th or 8th grade, something like that teacher was out of the room, I walked up and I wrote the KISS logo on the on the drawing board with chalk KISS was a big band when I was in the 7th grade but this was either 8th or ninth grade little did I know the societal norm had changed KISS had started making action figures and getting kind of childlike and this girl named Angela got up and uh, she wrote the Led Zeppelin logo Things that everybody applauded her, made me feel so small. Uh Uh-oh, everything changed. And that's the way this world is. One minute, it's a kiss world. The next minute, it's a Led Zeppelin world. What's cool today, what's acceptable today won't be tomorrow. But the firm foundation that we can always stand on is this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow Hopefully in the next podcast, I, I, I can share some practical ways that uh, I have been able to manage the juggle. I say manage. I should have called this series manage because I don't think we ever truly master the juggle. So forgive me for uh, maybe that was mistitled. Um, but for this one, just realize that one of the things that will keep us from juggling at all is insecurity. And then when we drop a ball... Will be hesitant to pick it back up and keep going, keep going in Jesus' name. Realize that God is for you; He is with us. But we are in a spiritual war, and so we are going to take hits from time to time. We are going to fall down. Some of you've been through horrible divorces and things like that. And listen get back up don't get insecure in your relationships and 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 be fearful or be so attached to somebody that you've got to have this person around all the time or you've got to have this affirmation coming from people all the time sometimes you've got to encourage yourself in the lord that's what the bible says david did sometimes when the world is just falling down you feel like you've dropped all the balls you've got to get on your knees matter of fact when jesus said we're to worship in spirit and truth that word worship one meaning is to prostrate yourself or get on your knees and say, Lord, I need you. I need the affirmation that comes from my Heavenly Father to pick these balls up and keep moving forward with the different spheres of life. I know you want me to be successful. I know you're for me. You're not against me. And you go before me. I hope that helps. And I'll be back with part two again. I hope next week. Uh, we're ju- we're juggling a lot right now With the, the events coming up And then we got family coming in We only get to see them a couple of times a year And so I speak of what I know This constant juggle We might not ever master it But we can certainly manage it In Jesus name Bless you I want to remind you that Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. We appreciate your prayers and gifts of support to keep us on the road and in prison.